Hello, Legion of Audience. This is James. And before we get started today, I wanted to take a second and let you all know about the brand new Who Would Win Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and get behind-the-scenes access like you've never seen before, go to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow right now. Who Would Win patrons will have access to outtake videos, early info on battles, and even get a vote on characters that we'll use in upcoming episodes. So if you'd like to support me and the show, head to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow, and for as little as five bucks a month, you can define yourself as more than just a fan. You'll be an official member of the Legion. Hope to see you there. Flying through the air over the city, Supergirl scans out miles for misdeeds. Seeing something bright and out of place, she flies down to an area outside of town, but not so far as to be wilderness. It is there that she sees Loki standing before a portal to another realm. He appears to be both holding it open and trying to coax something large out of it. The portal breaks as Supergirl lands with a thud and Loki turns to face her. You mind telling me what you're doing out here? She inquires. No, I would really prefer not to. Loki responds. Both of them know a fight is incoming. It's only a matter of who blinks first. It's Jotunheim versus Krypton. It's the God of Mischief versus the Maid of Might. It's Loki versus Supergirl. Today on Who Would Win? And welcome to another episode of Who Would Win, a show that completely ignores anything important happening in the world and instead focuses on a fictional battle between two characters in the worlds of comics, sci-fi, and fantasy. I'm your host, James Gavsey, and as always, I'm joined by the one and only Ray Stekanis. Today's matchup represents the epitome of superhuman power versus the perfect representation of chaotic magic. In one corner, you have Supergirl, also known as Kara Zor-El, Superman's Kryptonian cousin, and the other, you have Loki, the Asgardian god of mischief and stepbrother to Thor. As usual, I did the patented Who'd Win Google test just to see how many times this matchup has been discussed. And this matchup has, in fact, been debated for quite some time over the years, but as usual, has never come to a clear-cut conclusion until today, that is. Ray, what are your thoughts on today's matchup? I'm always fired up for a who would win matchup. Now, Supergirl's been on the show before. Loki's been on the show before. Uh, so these are two returning characters, both looking to sort of make their name. Now, I have to ask the question, James Gavsey, is Supergirl the person that you're choosing? They never tell me if this is the week that you're getting your will. Getting my will. I uh, usually always get my way or my will for that matter. Uh, this is not the week where I'm choosing that person. Supergirl was suggested by the Hoodwin production team. And uh, quickly, I'm like, heck yes. Okay. Supergirl is one of my favorites. Um, for reason which I will reveal during the episode, all I'm going to say is Supergirl is so much different in terms of personality uh, than Superman ever will be. And that's what I find so fascinating about the character. Race to Canis, don't worry. When the time is right, I'm going to let you know who that character is I'm going to choose. Now, you know, Loki's that Look, representation James, of we're chaotic. just running out of season here. That's what I'm talking about. We got two more months, and your timer is expired. So let's, I'm just going to wait out the clock, I guess. Fair enough. Listen, uh, you know, it's funny because Loki, the king of chaos magic, really, you're kind of chaotic. This whole season, Ray, if you think about it, has been kind of uh, chaotic on the Who Would Win show. At the That's beginning, fair. you were killing it. 
you know, as much as I really hate to admit that. And somehow, not only did I win Showdown in September, I got an unprecedented five wins in a row. And then no to make things even that. more exciting, I know that's crazy. You are on a three episode win streak and have just won Shocktober. Ray, what's your take on the chaotic nature of season five of Who Would Win? You never know how a season is going to go. You think I should win every single match, go roughly 50 and one over the course of a season, and then James picks up a few wins here and there, gets lucky with a run of judges who hate logic and reason, and suddenly he's on top of the barn crowing like a weather vane. And that's fine. I came back as strong as physically possible, dominated, dominated Shocktober, I should have dominated. I dominate everything I'm doing. Who am I kidding? I dominated May, June, July, and August as well. I'm just here to win. The point I'm trying to make in all this is I'm great. I look forward to matching your five in a row and, in fact, taking it to six, seven, eight, nine in a row, win the rest of the season. It's all on the table. Ray, I'm impressed. Your math has just gotten so good. Those are numbers that are actually sequential. That's right. Uh, this is a huge step forward for you. I'm really I impressed. I stopped putting shapes in there a while ago. Good for you. No happy face in the one through nine. You know, here's the thing, Ray. Uh, I think you're doing great, and I'm going to I'm gonna hate this because uh, it ends tonight. I'm just telling you that winning strike, I'm just not putting up with it anymore. And you'll see why with Supergirl. Now, listen. We've got a crazy episode. Loki and Supergirl both have a win on the Who Would Win show, so one of them has to go away, you know, with a loss. So we need someone who can kind of take control of the chaos that's about to happen, and we have such a person for tonight's episode. Making another appearance on the Who Would Win show, it's fan favorite judge. It's the only adult in the room. Heck yes, at least for the show. It's podcaster extraordinaire. It's Robert Clark Chan. Robert Clark Chan, welcome back to Who Would Win. Pleased to be here. As one of the aforementioned judges who hate logic and reason, I feel like I've earned my spot. You have. Listen, Rari, you've been called the most handsome man of the Jurassic period. You are currently undefeated in MMA cage matches, true fact. And to make things even more incredible, your voice has been called the perfect blend of Morgan Freeman, Weird Al Yankovic, and Joy Behar from The View. That's interesting. Please tell the Legion of Audience, our faithful fan base, what you've been up to. How many episodes of The View did you watch before you came to that came to that uh, moniker? Just curious. Uh, first of all, first of all, how dare you mock anything mm. about anything that has to do with The View? One of the no, greatest, longest running. And Joy, Joy Behar is just, you know, I watched a YouTube clip of her on it, and I'm just like, oh, my God, if you combine her voice with everyone else, it sounds like Robert Clark Chan. That's how I came to that I, natural conclusion. I am the Whoopi Goldberg of this organization, I'll have you know. That's true. If, we're, if this is The View, I'm Whoopi Goldberg. Ray is Joy Behar. Yeah. And uh, you are... Uh, Batman? Megan McCain? Uh, Batman is... I, I don't believe he's a canon... Uh, 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 host of The View. So it oh, doesn't count. Okay, that's yeah. fair. All right, so what have you been up to, Robert Clark Chan? Because everyone loves it when you come on this episode. When you interact with a fan base, the Legion of Audience on the socials, they just react to you in such big ways. And, uh, you know, again, you're an, an amazing judge. So tell Legion of Audience what you've been doing these days. I don't do anything anymore. Uh, the last time I walked into the studio to record... Uh, I, I, we did a show, walked out, and uh, uh, all of a sudden, someone threw a hood over my head. Yep. And next thing I know, I'm popping out of some sort of cryo chamber, and uh, here I am to do another uh, judging. 
So we, we just I, want I you to stay fresh. I don't I don't feel good about how this is all turning out, but there are some pretty great snacks in the green room, so I guess it is what it is. It well, is I what it is. I hope you got my message, Robert Clark Chan. Oh, it was it was you that did that? Well, I, I you know what? Well, the thing about putting a sack over somebody's head, it's mm-hmm. plausible deniability. That's fair. I mean, it did have property of race to Canis stitched all along it, which seems uh, probably not the best way to uh, to be a covert look, villain. Look, look, lots of cats carry that sack. All right. Thank you. A sack's made out of like years and years of uh, old discarded Burger King bags from some of Ray's earlier expo. All I'm trying to say is it's a great sack. It's a, to it's be a fair, very good I sack. should have been able to tear right out of that. And I, I was weaker than a bunch of uh, Burger King wrappers. So that's on me. That one's that's my fault. Yeah, that's fair. All right. Listen, we got a crazy great episode. We've got a crazy good judge. We've got two amazing combatants in Supergirl and Loki. Let's get this party started. Ray, do us the honors and announce today's matchup. Representing Marvel Comics, the Asgardian who doesn't invite too many people over for his parties. After all, he wants to keep everything low key. Loki. And representing DC Comics, the hero with more different personalities than Shirley MacLaine, Supergirl. She does have a lot of personalities. Yeah, you thought you were going all episode without a Shirley MacLaine reference, but here we are. Another she's, uh, natural she's treasure. She's the one married to uh, Bruce Willis, right? In that uh, uh, Die Something movie, Die House, Die Bar. I'm just going to say yes so we can continue the show. <laughs> Well oh, done, you, Ray. You think that's going to get a cut edited? It's not. It's, it's not. It's staying not. in. I know it's better. A, ah, this bodes well. Well done, right Now, before we go any further, let's go over the initial rules about who would win match. Rule number one, each debater will make three points. Rule number two, the who would match is a random encounter in a neutral location with no prior knowledge of the opponent or time to prepare for the fight. Rule number three, the debater must stay within the confines of the character's personality, and the exact version of that character has to be specifically stated. Ray, are you using the former WCW wrestler known as Loki in this battle? I will not be using that particular character. I will be using the Marvel 616 version of the character of Loki because I know for a fact there's no chance you're using anything other than the DC Comics version of Supergirl. You know me so well. I will say this. If you were going to go with the MCU version, I was ready to go with the CW version of Supergirl because she's pretty badass. I might be talking a rematch down the road then. Possibly. But yes, you're right. I will go with the DC Comics current version of Supergirl within DC Comics continuity. Rule number four, debaters may only use examples of skills, powers, or weapons that are a long-established part of the character's continuity feats from non-canon crossovers are allowed, but will be given less weight. Rule number five, the winner of the debate is whoever the judge decides has the best case for defeating their opponent by death, submission, or battlefield removal, and where no attack or threat can be made for at least two minutes, and where no outside interference is allowed. And finally, rule number six, the judge is the final arbiter and can disallow or veto any point they feel violates these rules or established logic. And before we get started, don't forget to visit the official Who Would Win store. Visit www.whowouldwinstore.com to get your hands on some great Who Would Win merch and shirts. Need to supercharge your hiring? You need a super hiring partner. You need Indeed. I've been a fan of Indeed.com for a long time and been singing their praises for even longer. You know, one of the things I love about Indeed is that not only can you find a great job on Indeed.com, start there, great place to look, but if you're hiring, 
you can invite candidates, right? Candidates you invite to apply are three times more likely to apply for your job than candidates who just kind of see it in a random search. That's according to US Indeed data. It's like you invite somebody and they feel welcome to your party, right? They're more likely to want to work for you or at least check out what this job's all about. And we'll get you one step closer to that hire by immediately matching you with quality candidates with Indeed. Indeed's gonna do the hard work for you. It shows you the candidates whose resume on Indeed fits your description immediately after you post. You're going to find the people. They're going to put them right in front of you so you can hire even faster. And these are quality candidates. These are people who already meet your minimum expectations right off the top at the beginning. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash WWW. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash WWW. Indeed.com slash WWW. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And now let's get to the tale of the tape for both of our combatants. Ray, please give us the details for Loki. Loki Lofison is Odin's adopted son in Marvel Comics. He first appeared in Venus, number six, back in 1949, but the version that we all know and love first appeared in Journey into Mystery, number 85, back in 1962. He was created by Stan Lee, Larry Lieber, and Jack Kirby. Full of mischief and magic, Loki uses his considerable talents not to protect Asgard, but to try and kill his brother Thor and take over for himself. Adopted by Odin from the Frost Giants, Loki was too small for that society, but proper-sized to join the Asgardians. Now, Loki is cunning, arrogant, and is always looking out for number one. In short, he is the perfect foil for his brother Thor. Now, fun fact, in his first appearance, a big deal was made over Loki's biggest weakness. That weakness was water. 
as in his magic doesn't work in water, he can't swim. And what's truly wild about this weakness is that it has never been mentioned again since 1962. So is it actually a weakness? Or are we talking about an Aquaman situation where in his first appearance, he got tied up by like fishermen and thrown in the water to drown? Which that's, you know, that's weird. That's weird for Aquaman. Anyway, until we see Loki change forms while in the shower, we will never know. And that is Loki. Yeah, I find it disturbing that you want to watch Loki take a shower, you know, for the all intents and purposes of using air quotes, to see if he changes form. Uh, this is a family-friendly show. Just for the science, for the science we need to know. I'll have to talk to the sponsors about this. Already getting texts. Okay, here we go. Here are the details for Supergirl. Supergirl, known as Kara Zor-El, made her first appearance in Action Comics number 252 in May 1959. She emerged from the creative minds of writer Otto Binder and artist Al Plastino. Hailing from the Doom planet Krypton, Kara is the biological cousin of Superman, otherwise known as Kal-El. Sent to Earth in a spacecraft at a similar time as her cousin, she was intended to be a protector and companion for Superman. However, due to a twist in her voyage, she arrived on Earth years later, finding her cousin already grown and established as the planet's premier superhero. Kara adopted the secret identity of Linda Lee Danvers and began her own journey as a hero, adopting Earth as her new home and fighting to protect it and its inhabitants with their powers, which mirror those of Superman, of course, including super strength, flight, various vision powers, blah, blah, blah. And here's an interesting fact about Supergirl. This one's even weirder than Ray's. Did you know that Supergirl once dated a horse? It's true, kind of. Super pets aren't uncommon in the DC universe, with Crypto the Superdog being the most notable of these. So it comes as no surprise that Supergirl also had her own pet, a Kryptonian horse known as Comet. However, in a bizarre series of events, Comet ended up becoming a human, and strangely enough, Supergirl did the only thing that's logical and went out on a date with him. This is certainly a strange DC comic story, but keep in mind this was set during the early 60s, you know, when dating horses was much more socially acceptable. Oh, sure. It was a thing. Look it up. And now you have... Don't actually. And now you have a fact on both of not opponents. be at all. Thank you. <laughs> you know, I do have a normal browsing history. And now you have the facts on both opponents. Robert, do you have any questions before we get started? Or do you feel like you'd also like to go on a date with a horse? Here's the thing. You think you found, like, the weirdest horse-related incident in this battle. But I don't know if uh, Ray will be bringing this up. But Loki was a horse for a while. Moreover, he was a female horse, and he bore children. So if Kara thinks she can uh, show off how progressive she is by just dating a horse, uh, try being and being impregnated by one. That's uh, Also, uh, props to uh, Ray as... We all know I've been here a few times, so I can, um, I, I, I see, I've seen all of the tricks and, uh, trying to slide in an early rebuttal before the match has even started by trying to undercut that weakness to water thing in, uh, your tell the tape. That's, uh, interesting. Wait, I'm not going to take any points away. I was away, just presenting an interesting fact. You think that was gamesmanship? I have taken note, that is all I will say about that. Interesting. Please, carry on, gentlemen. I, I think this episode is uh, going to get weirder and weirder as we go on, which is going to make it a classic episode of the Who Would Win Show. All right, Ray, let's do what we do here. Hit us with your point number one. 
Point number one for Loki, let's just talk a little bit about his physicals because Supergirl is a Kryptonian. So we know that she's going to be big, you know, big, strong, fast, durable, blah, 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 blah. But let's not underestimate the physicals of the god Loki because he's been shown to lift over 50 tons with no problem whatsoever. His strength is roughly on par with the Silver Surfer. The two of those characters match strength at one point, and it came out to be a draw. Silver Surfer is a cosmically powered character, so I would have to believe that if you can match Silver Surfer, you can match Supergirl as far as raw damage output goes. In fact, he does have the power of a god. Uh, look, Supergirl's great. She is a regular Kryptonian. Loki is a regular god. And I think there's just a whole level above, you know, purely being a living person that godhood takes you. In fact, Rogue, we all know Rogue. She's very rough. When she touches you, she absorbs your powers. Rogue touched Loki. And what ended up happening? She went down. He was too powerful for Rogue to absorb. And Rogue has absorbed like Captain Marvel's powers and kept them, right? So the fact that Loki just sort of uh, 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 knocked her off just like, you know, she got electrically shocked by a fence. That should be uh, something to take note of, Judge. Additionally, he's always fighting Thor. Let's face facts. Him and Thor are always getting into scrapes. He gets over sometimes. Thor gets over sometimes. He's dodged Thor's hammer. He's tanked Thor's hammer. He's tanked Hulk, smashing him, you know, uh, repeatedly. And he's gotten up and been just fine. And his durability is crazy. He's a god. This is a guy who lost his head once. And he was fine. That's fine. Bullets. Shoot them all up as much as you want to. It's going to affect him about as much as it would affect Supergirl. And, and his endurance is not going to be a problem either, being a literal god. He's fought for 24 hours straight when he is needed to. But the thing that will separate him is some of his equipment. The thing I know about Supergirl is that she comes in and she's got her fists, her, you know, kicks, and, and her superpowers, right? She doesn't necessarily use weapons that I saw when I was researching. But Loki has something called the Fire Sword which is a magical blade that Loki can summon at will whenever the heck he wants to. It is strong enough to shatter as guardian swords, and it is hot enough to scorch Thor's skin without even touching him. So we're talking about uh, something very, very hot that can cut other gods. You gotta believe it can do some damage to Supergirl as well. And the other one to mention, the Norn Stones. Now these are magical stones that were given to Loki by someone called Carnilla, and he can use them for a multitude of different reasons, you know? And I'm only gonna focus on one of them because they're sort of this do anything I want to stones, like the nth metal would be for Hawkman. But the big thing that Loki did with them is rearrange his own molecules so that way he was suddenly intangible and unable to be struck by a powerful character. Now, if you can rearrange your molecules at will and summon a magical, magical, did I say the word magical? You know what Kryptonians have a trouble with? Magic. Magical blades will hurt them. The Nornstones is great for defense against a character who can punch real, real hard. I don't see how Loki doesn't win this matchup, and we're only in round one, and that's my point number one. Wow. Okay. Uh, what was that old expression people used to say? Tell me you don't know anything about Supergirl without telling me you don't know anything about Supergirl. Here we go. Let me push back on a few things. Now, in terms of pure physicals, Loki's no slouch. That's clear. 
I'd kind of put him almost where Luke Cage is <laughs> in terms of just a pure physical sense, which is pretty good. Luke Cage has compressed 50 tons. He's almost invulnerable. Uh, Loki may have better agility, better speed, and that's all really, really good. But compare that to Supergirl, who's on a, literally a Superman class in terms of power, speed, durability. And, you know, it, it's just not even in her league. It's not even something she needs to worry about. She's not going to get hurt physically by Loki. Not that she'll just stand there and take it. It's just that she's way... And again, I'm not talking just in another league. We're talking leagues upon leagues upon leagues uh, at a much higher level. Loki's got that endurance where he can fight for 24 hours. That's really impressive. Until you compare that to Supergirl's endurance where she can fight at full speed, full power... For probably hundreds of years, more likely thousands of years, Superman did that in a really cool storyline, uh, fighting alongside Wonder Woman and what have you in a different kind of timeline dimension. Supergirl can do the same thing. Uh, in terms of stamina, yeah, just don't even hold a candle towards uh, Supergirl. Uh, in terms of rearranging molecules, here's the fun fact. Supergirl, you know, if someone's uh, intangible, what have you, she can vibrate her body at super speed the same way the Flash does and touch things that went intangible because she can match their frequency. She can do that with people who can do that in a, in a science-based way. Imagine, it won't matter. She can touch the seemingly untouchable because she is that good. And let me explain why she's that good with my point number one. So my point number one, we're not just going to talk about her regular powers. We're going to talk about the other stuff she can do. Now, first of all, we all know Supergirl's main powers. We know she's got super strength, super speed, and vulnerability. Again, it takes a lot to make her feel pain. Never mind hurt her. She's got x-ray and heat vision, super breath that can create hurricane-like forces, as well as freezing cold temperatures. Flight, of course, she's known her ability to fly and to fly at super speed. However, what most people don't know is kind of like the level of her powers and the way she can apply them and the power of her mind. Now, first of all, she's a super genius. Again, she's the daughter of a leading scientist on Krypton, was taught how to be a scientist and a military kind of tactician on Krypton with their advanced knowledge. Her mind, her speed of thought, her intuition are all insanely enhanced, really sped up due to the Earth's yellow sun. She thinks, processes information, and reacts at insane super speed. Good luck trying to catch her by surprise, or if you do, she's going to come up with a way to counter it very, very quickly before you even realize she's, she's even doing it. Here's a fun fact about Supergirl's X-ray and microscopic vision. Evidently, I've mentioned this before, she can read someone's DNA, which means she'll have a much better time understanding of what Loki is capable of much quicker than the time it'll take for Loki to understand what Supergirl can do. And she can detect magical energies with this reading of DNA as well. I'm not saying she's going to know everything Loki can do, but she's going to check out that DNA. She's going to understand, huh, super dense tissues, enhanced human power, strength. Got it. Wait, there's something, some type of mystical, chaotic energy around it as well I'm seeing. Uh-oh, magic. I understand what I'm dealing with. And again, she's doing this at super speed. By the way, speaking of super speed, it's at the level of the Flash. Sure, the Flash may be faster, but not by much. And although Loki is shown to be super fast, I'm not taking that away from him. He's done that in bursts as opposed to prolonged periods of time. Unlike Supergirl, who's done that, you know, she can just stay at super speed for hours, days, years on end. Supergirl has super endurance. I already told you that. She's got it in much better amounts than Loki will ever have. She's also got a super fast healing factor, which Loki does not. Supergirl's strength, let's just put this in perspective. She's considered a moon mover in terms of strength. That's a term that used once, that's used once uh, in DC Comics to describe some of the most physically powerful beings. As strong as Loki is, look, he's never shown the capability of anything close to that strength or level of power. On top of all that, 
Supergirl's pretty much immortal. We see a number of storylines where Superman's alive, well, and more powerful in thousands upon thousands of years in the future. The same can be said of Supergirl. Loki is not immortal. He's just got, you know, like every other Asgardian and I think Frost Giants, they just have a much slower rate of aging. They're seemingly immortal, but they are not. They do age. And here's a fun fact. Turns out Supergirl can heal herself from anything, including kryptonite poisoning and even magical attacks. How attacks? How did she do it? Again, she flies into the sun at super speeds and comes right back. She can get to the sun and back in seconds, even if she's got kryptonite poisoning. Good luck with that. And speaking of magic, let's just kind of cut to the chase here. Supergirl did something that Superman couldn't. She got hit one time by a super powerful magical attack. It depowered her, made her and all of the heroes with her cower and fear. She somehow overcame it. In fact, not only did she overcome it, she became somewhat impervious to it and magic into a large degree. Now, I'm not saying all magic is not going to affect her. But regular magic that takes Superman out, uh-uh, that's no longer a thing that takes Supergirl out. She's actually got that above a much higher level that Superman wishes he just had. Look, Loki's super powerful, but Supergirl, yeah, she's something else. That's my point number one. A whole lot of misrepresenting going on there, but I expect nothing less from the actual god of deceit, James Gavsey. Now, you're going to actually sit here and look at me. Loki, the god, the Asgardian uh, uh, from the Frost Giants. And you're going to say, yeah, he's roughly as powerful as street-level hero Luke Cage. Like, you are out of your mind if you're misrepresenting it that hard. You should get five points deducted for even trying that. And, and you said, oh, man, Loki can fight 24 hours. She can fight longer. Are we actually expecting a battle between these two to last over 24 hours? No, this battle's going to last 10 minutes at the longest. Loki's going to find his way to manipulate the battle and win well before, well before like anybody gets physically exhausted, please. And you say, uh, oh, she's she, she can vibrate her molecules like the Flash to hit in When has she ever done that? Yes, she could theoretically do it if she was as fast as the Flash, which she's not, but that's not an attack I've ever seen her do. So to claim that this is how she's going to win would only work on the weakest willed of our judges who listen to James say things that are theoretical and go, that's what will happen despite never having happened before. I expect better out of Robert Clark Chan and scanning someone's DNA is great. That's wonderful, but he's got God DNA. That is far beyond the conceptual awareness of a character like Supergirl. He's not just some frost giant. He is the God of mischief and she's never going to wrap her head around that. Interesting points. Both of you and I are bringing up, but let's go to our judge. Robert Clark Chan, you've heard one point from both Ray and myself. Where's your head at so far with this battle? I I feel like Loki's pretty strong coming out the gate. He's got a lot of uh, a lot of accoutrement that certainly seem to help him. That fire sword, I I, I think is is a real uh, a real force against Supergirl. Uh, Supergirl, he's a god. She is a Kryptonian, so it's, depending on where you are, you know, I, I think they are roughly equivalent. I will say that uh, um, it was a pretty nice move to equate uh, Loki to Luke Cage, as uh, Ray said, a street-level character. That was a nice uh, debate flourish. However, there were an awful lot of times where I heard 
Superman did it, so therefore Supergirl can probably do it. And I'm not hearing as much of Supergirl actually having done those things. So I'm probably going to wait those just a little bit less. Uh, at this point, though, this could this could swing either way. So I'm not going to give either side much of the advantage yet. Wow. Interesting. Robert Clark Chan doing what he does best and really just kind of keeping it a mystery where he thinks this battle's headed and who's ahead. I love it. Let's see what's going to happen next. Ray, hit us with your point number two. You know, I'm going to go back to a quote from the greatest action movie of all time. That would be Superintendent Pang in the 1992 John Woo classic Hard Boiled. Give a guy a gun, he thinks he's Superman. Give him two, he thinks he's God. Oh, so that implies that gods are up here and Superman is below there. If I take the logic of John Woo, this battle is already over. It's two guns to one gun and Supergirl is smoked. I'll continue debating anyway. Let's talk about magic because magic is the weakness of Supergirl and magic is how Loki obviously wins all of his battles. This is a slam dunk. This is what would happen if Dwayne The Rock Johnson fought against a guy made of paper. One just naturally defeats the other. That's the way of the world. Now, Loki learned magic from somebody called Eldred, uh, who took him in, was very, very kind to him, taught him the ways of the spells, and Loki sacrificed him to Surtur, the fire demon, and stole all of his power because that's who Loki is. He's going to win, he's going to take your powers, and he's going to get over. And he shoots magical blasts, a thing that Supergirl will not have an answer for as Supergirl and other Kryptonians can't handle magic. These are magical blasts that wrecked a character named Apocalypse. He's one of the most powerful mutants, if not the most powerful mutant. Eh, okay, Legion, shut up. Maybe the most powerful mutant of all time, Wrecked Apocalypse. At a low level, Loki was severely weakened. He smacked through and destroyed a Doctor Strange shield with one of his magical blasts. He launched a fireball that killed a whole bunch of frost giants who were boosted, who had their power boosted by who? Iceman. Iceman, James's favorite non-Omega level mutant uh, who allegedly is very powerful. Loki slapped him aside like bowling pins. He hurt Surtur the fire demon with a magical blast. He one-shotted Beta Ray Bill, another Thor god-like character who is awesome and has been on this show before. One-shotted him. If you're one-shotting these super powerful god-like characters with your magical blast, how is Supergirl, whose weakness is magic, going to have any shot at all in this battle? Not just that, he can create illusions. He can make Supergirl see whatever he wants to see. Clones of himself. There can be a hundred Lokis, and she's not going to know which one to hit. But also, he has stopped a nuke with his magic before. He has created force fields pretty important, mystical, magical stone as a defense. Now, James, you know, you like to argue if a character has a weakness to magic, all aspects of magic that are on the table as affecting their weakness. You've argued it several times in the past. So you say, oh, Supergirl can punch through stone, but can she punch through magical stone? I would argue that her weakness is right there for all to behold. And if he could throw up magical force fields, magical walls of ice, magical walls of stone, 
These are things that she's just not going to be able to get through. He's going to disappear from plain sight and stab her from behind with the flame sword made of magic that I mentioned earlier. That is his go-to move is for you to lose sight of him, sneak up behind you and take you out through the sternum with a magical blade. Also, he can conjure ice walls. I bring this up only because he's encased Thor in these ice walls before. Thor being, again, a god, a god of thunder. And we all know how ice works against uh, electricity and lightning and thunder. I think we can all agree ice would defeat lightning and thunder 10 times out of 10. Nobody would make the argument the other way around. Yet, there he is, Thor, encased in ice. If you can encase Thor in ice and keep him there, you can 100% do the same to Supergirl for two minutes. I think so. And that's my point number two. You know, I just wish there was something to push back on, on all these amazing points Nothing. Grace just brought up. You know what? Let me see if there is. I don't know. Let's just kind of say, oh, you know what? There are some things pushed back on. Number one, I already mentioned that magic is not the same thing for Supergirl as it is for Superman. She already tanked it and came up with a way to kind of be immune to a high level of it. And even if she is hit by and affected by super high levels, she knows how to work her way through it. It doesn't affect her the same way it did Superman or did her even a while ago. Let's see, a fun storyline. She, in her first encounter with the Flash, she went full blast at the Flash. The Flash ran for his life, could barely use his super speed to stay out of her way. Luckily, things kind of calmed down, and she realized, okay, maybe we're on the same side. The whole point is that, you know, she doesn't kind of wait for an opportunity. She's not looking for the right time. She looks for the strategy, sees the points, and she's in it right away. That's something that Loki is not going to be expecting more than that later. Uh, you know, in terms of, you know, that whole taking out Beta Ray Bill, that was a weakened Beta Ray Bill that he one-shot. And how dare you, Beta Ray Bill is a natural. Of course he was weakened. He was fighting against Loki. <sighs> he was weakened. It wasn't like a full force Beta Ray Bill. He was taking out one-shot race to Canis. That's horrible. Illusions aren't going to work on Supergirl. She's dealt with tons of magical-based illusions before. She's got super senses. She can tell just through hearing, through whatever it is. She can tell what's an illusion, what's not. See through it, no problem. Finally, really, encasing Supergirl in ice, even if you could with her super strength, I don't know. Maybe her heat vision will help her with the ice and get her out of it like it's done millions of times before. Look, let me get to my point number two. And for my Point number two, I'm just going to say something. I said it before about Supergirl. This is why I love Supergirl as a character, maybe even more than Superman, at least just as much for different reasons. Here we go. Supergirl may be even more dangerous and powerful, but at least more dangerous than Superman. Let me explain. So for years, people have been saying that Supergirl, they think she's more powerful than Superman. There's been some instances where Superman himself has said that his cousin may be, in fact, more powerful than she than he is. The reality, however, I really believe is something a little different. Superman says that Supergirl may appear more powerful than him because Superman has spent a lifetime subconsciously suppressing his powers to avoid harming others, while Supergirl, without that kind of similar experience, just is like, you know what? I'm using my powers to the fullest without hesitation right away because that's how I like taking out villains. That's what she does. Superman holds back a lot. He likes to use his little forces necessary to solve the problem. It's like I used to say before, it's kind of similar to like what law enforcement has to do. They use these set of rules called the use of force continuum. Pretty much that means is, hey, if you're facing this situation, you can only use these tactics, this amount of force. Superman has that as well in his own kind of code. Supergirl does not. She does not use have a use of force. She's like, really, you're a villain. I'm taking you out any you know by any means necessary. If I got to do it, I'm doing it. And of course, I don't want any civilians to get hurt. But unlike Superman, says civilian safety first, taking out the villain second. Reverse that for Supergirl. She's like, I hope no one gets hurt, but I'm taking out that villain no matter what. That's really cool. 
So what does this all mean? Well, in Marvel Comics, we've seen a number of occasions where Loki starts at a certain power level, then has to build up as the threat of the power level of his opponent increases. He likes to kind of toy with his opponent, you know, talk with them a little bit. That's what he does with Thor all the time. There's talking, there's dialogue. Supergirl's not much of a talker. She starts at that high power level, and she'll come in full blast and try to destroy or take out Loki right away. Loki is known for rising to the occasion. He increases his power, his magic, his treachery and trickery, and, you know, all this is done gradually on top of that loki typically has some advanced knowledge sometime to prepare or maybe both when he's facing off against thor or some opponent in the marvel universe in this case he's not going to have any of that see this is the key supergirl doesn't start at a low power level she's already in her ultimate form if loki somehow gets a breather and tries to increase the power of his magic supergirl well she's not letting up in this fight and she's not going to give the chance for loki to do that She's aggressive. By the way, she's got a lot of martial arts training, both from Krypton. She's got training, because there's martial arts are really a big thing on Krypton. She's got that military training from Krypton, that military mindset as well. She's got training from Batman. And most importantly, she's got training from Wonder Woman and the Amazons. You know, that Ultimate Warrior, the Ultimate Warriors of the DC Universe are pretty cool. In terms of badassery, Supergirl has one of those badass distinctions in all of DC Comics in that she was named an honorary Amazonian due to how great of a fighter she was. Ask yourself this, what would happen if Supergirl attacked Loki full force at full speed, at full ferocity, with 100% intent of beating him with no holding back, no morals? She's going to do it quickly. In this fight, that's exactly what's going to happen. All of that is my point number two. Wait a minute, did you did you just describe a no-morals, out-of-character type of battle on the Who Would Win show? What are you even referring That's to at Supergirl. this point? Supergirl. Supergirl's morals are on a completely different standard than Superman's. That's Supergirl, what you gotta understand. Look, Supergirl spent a lot of time in her history not wanting to kill people. Now, she did get a little looser with it at certain points during her life, but that doesn't mean that Supergirl as a character meets a brand new person and is immediately trying to rip their spine out. She is not Sub-Zero for Mortal Kombat. That is not who this character is. That is not how this character fights. You talk about the training. Oh, she she knows a lot of martial arts on Krypton. If you can punch a mountain and it explodes, I don't care that you know how an arm bar works. You're not relying on your martial arts ability when you are a Kryptonian. As much as like Muhammad Ali beat up Superman, okay, when they depowered him. And that's all you really need to know about the great combat training that the Kryptonians have right now. Not take nothing away from Muhammad Ali, great fighter. But let's talk about some of the losses of Supergirl. Because Supergirl is a character who gets her butt handed to her constantly in the comic books. Look, a few of the losses that she's had, she fought Wonder Woman and got absolutely destroyed. So, so much for that, for that training, Wonder Woman's uh, Athenian training uh, dominated her uh, quite honestly. And that's why I consider Wonder Woman uh, as a power level, roughly equal to Loki, uh, as far as being a goddess, a god, etc. goes, Wonder Woman handled her no problem. Doomsday punched her so hard that her face melted. <laughs> Now, there were some story elements around this, but it's one of the most horrific body horror things I've ever seen in a comic book was Doomsday hitting her so hard, her face literally exploded. Uh, she's also been defeated by Darkseid uh, and, uh, and de defeated well by Darkseid and not to mention Deathstroke. Deathstroke, you know, is one of those characters who can hang with anybody, but if you have the powers of Supergirl and you're willing to quote-unquote go there and you're apparently greatly trained in fighting, you should never lose to Deathstroke under any circumstances whatsoever, but she has. And if you're going to lose to these characters, keep it real, you're going to lose to Loki as well. 
Wait, wait, wait. You're saying the Supergirl from 1992 got her face kind of ripped off by Dar- uh, Doomsday? Is that what you're referring to? That's correct. Got it. That wasn't Supergirl. That was an alien posing as Supergirl. Thank you for proving my point. That was a character called The Matrix who had all of her powers. Uh, okay, fine. Not even close. But Thank that's you. still Supergirl. Ray Stakenis. Oh, my God. Okay, listen. We are at the turning point. Robert Clark Chan, one of the fan favorite judges of all time. You've heard a moment to ponder two points for both Ray and myself. Who do you think is ahead, and what does the other side have to do to pull out the victory? Oh, boy. This is... Um... I, I feel like we're starting to see a difference here. Uh, your whole point was that, uh, I mean, it sounds suspiciously to me like a she'll go there argument, which, as we all know, is one of my least favorite arguments in the who would win genre. But you know what? Uh, yeah, uh, the I, I could see her ferocity uh, is surprising Loki and possibly taking him out. Uh, I think if there, if this does go a long time, uh, we wouldn't be talking about endurance so much as we would talking about uh, giving Loki enough time to figure out how to outwit Supergirl. Supergirl is a, a super genius, I guess. She's uh, trained as a Kryptonian scientist. But, uh, but I, I mean, as goofy as... The or the Marvel version of Loki is he is still one of the OG great tricksters of mythology. So, like I think if you give him any room, he's gonna figure out a way to uh, outsmart her. I feel like you did a good job of defending uh, the magic point. So, a Loki definitely is not going to take this easily by just whipping up some little rabbit out of the hat thing. It's going to have to be something uh, impressive, possibly even more than uh, this fire sword. At this moment, I kind of want to say Loki's got just a skosh of an inch uh, ahead of Supergirl, but I'm always I'm always uh, surprised by what I hear in this third round. So whatever your knockout punch is going to be, I think it's still well within reach for either of you to win this. I like it. I think it's a close matchup, but I think both Ray and I do have a KO capability in our point number three. With all that being said, Ray, let's see what you got. Hit us with your point number three. Quite honestly, I've already won this match. This is just for decoration of the set because my point number three is to talk about what a trickster that Loki is. You talk about, can he figure out a way to deceive and win this battle? You're thinking about it all wrong. Loki has been doing this for eons. He has scheme after scheme after scheme on deck. He doesn't have to consider what he wants to do. He will immediately know what to do and start working it immediately. That's what's allowed him to survive and thrive for all of this long, long period of time that he's been alive and never seems to suffer for any of the tricks that he pulls on people. He's always back at Asgard. Thor's always trying to make nice with him. And this is a guy who never suffers for his crimes. Now, one of the things that allows him to be a trickster is he uses his magic to shapeshift. This is a guy who can change his form. One, he can turn into a pigeon, a snake, a dragon, a bee. I don't know why that would be important, but the idea is he's constantly on the move. If he needs to take a breather, he can just hide out as a snake for a moment, think about what he needs to do, and then go from there. But also, he can uh, imagine himself to be other people. He could absolutely uh, disguise himself as a quote-unquote innocent 
and catch Supergirl off guard, who's definitely not trying to kill innocent people. I know that for a fact. But he also has mind control abilities. Uh, let's face facts, it's another thing that these Superman Kryptonian characters are always weak to besides magic is that old psychic probe, that mind control. But who has Loki used mind control on? Oh yes, Thor, his brother, the god of thunder. And if you can use your mind control powers on a god, you can also do it to a susceptible Kryptonian. But that's not even to mention that Loki can open portals. He opens portals at a whim. He uses them to teleport around and go wherever the heck he wants to. He could absolutely open a portal and lure Supergirl into a situation where she flies through it into another dimension. And forget it. Two minutes, you're off the table, Supergirl. You're not coming back. Loki has tricked another one. Sorry, that's just how it works. Is it cheap? Yes. Does it work? Absolutely. But he's also been known, not only on top of that, to use his magic for transmutations. He once turned a man's hand into glass for daring to touch him. This is a guy who saw a bunch of guns, a bunch of weapons, and gave them wings. And I believe maybe brought them to life so they could just fly around shooting things. That's who Loki is. He's turned the clouds into dragons to attack people. He's turned a man into a goat. He is a god of transmutation. So it's, we're not just talking about magical blasts and force fields. I know I was in point number two. But Loki can turn you into a different thing entirely that will not have the superpowers of a Kryptonian. And he's quite frankly too smart and too clever. He's the god of manipulation. As I said before, schemes are on deck. If the first thing doesn't work, he's going to he's going to pirouette into the next thing and he's going to find something that works. And even if he doesn't, he's turned a city into candy before. That's how he defeated that nuclear bomb I mentioned earlier. Turned it and transmuted an entire city into candy. What are we even talking about? If you can turn Supergirl into the Oompa Loompa Willy Wonka factory, you can just walk away safely pretty easily, right? And the last thing I want to mention, he's worthy. In a comic book, Loki has wielded Thor's hammer. So you could sit here and say, you know, he's, he's lower class, he doesn't belong where he is, and I think those are terrible things to say about somebody who absolutely belongs where he is and proves it time and time again, and at one point, wielded Thor's hammer. This is a guy who's not going to be defeated today. And I've told you all the reasons why many times over. And that's my point number three. Wow. Ray Sicanus playing by his tactics that he often accuses me of, but thinks he can get away with. All right. Let me push back a little bit on this. Now, first of all, you know, if when he does, you know, have a fight with Thor, nine times out of 10, Thor and Loki have this dramatic dialogue. Thor's like sees him as his brother. Loki kind of is like, hey, whatever, da da da, and they talk, and that's part of what Loki does is he likes to lure people out and kind of drop their their um, you know defenses and then kind of go after him. He did that with Beta Ray Bill as well in a previous example. The whole point is this is just not going to work with Supergirl because she's going to see a magical opponent who's kind of nasty, what have you, and she's just going to go after him right away. It's not about her going there. This is just about what her mindset is as opposed to Superman's, who's like more like Thor in terms of let me talk to this person, see if I can bring him down from fighting. That's not Supergirl's MO whatsoever. 
Yeah, I get it. You know, Loki's a trickster, but again, this this uh, you know X ray microscope vision that Supergirl has, she's going to see through this disguise, and she's going to be able to see all around her. He turns into a bee, a snake, or whatever it is, try to get away. She's going to know where he is exactly. Turns into a dragon. Okay, cool. She's like, awesome. I killed three dragons last week. Not a problem. There's not much that he can turn into that's going to do much to her, or at least that she can't overcome. On top of that, transmutation, that's really interesting. It's actually hard to transmute really dense genetic material. But again, I'm going to reference back to what happened to Supergirl, where she hit that magic and started transmuting her body, taking away her powers, and she actually tanked it and overcame it. So actual transmutation doesn't do what you think it's going to do to Supergirl. She's actually able to overcome it because she's done it before. You know, there's lots there you can talk about. Supergirl's traveled to other dimensions. Now, does she have the ability to you know, go between dimensions? No, but that's something that Loki has to kind of take time to use. And it's not something he always has right away. And that time is going to be the issue. Now, let me get to my point number three. And you'll see where I'm going with this. And my point number three, let's talk about some of Loki's losses and why these particular losses, they really matter in this fight. So... I know they've been around for decades and decades and decades, but this is really important. Loki's been beaten by Hercules many times. And how did Hercules do it? With raw power and technique, something Supergirl has a lot of because she's, you know, Kryptonian and because she's had a lot of fight training. And unlike Hercules, Supergirl can fly, giving her an even greater advantage. By the way, Supergirl and Hercules have this in common. They don't actually sit around and talk a lot with their villains. They actually just get to the smashing part and the fighting the villains part, unlike Thor, who actually likes to talk to Loki to figure out what's going on with his brother. Namor. Namor has beaten Loki many times. Why? Because he doesn't mess around, just goes in for the immediate kill or beating on Loki. And Namor is much weaker than Supergirl. It's not that he's weak. He's just not as strong. But he can fly like Supergirl, so, you know, advantage Supergirl in this whole situation. And what does Namor do as well? He doesn't waste time talking. He just yells out Imperious Rex, which is a really cool thing, and this goes in for the, the beating right away that he delivers to Loki. That's awesome. Heimdall, what a great character. Heimdall beat Loki using his super hearing. Wonder if Supergirl has that. Oh, yeah, she does. During one particular fight between the two, Loki is beaten by Heimdall, who used his hearing to detect Loki's exact location, despite Loki being invisible and using that stealth. At that point, Heimdall physically overpowers Loki before Loki can bring his full magic to bear. Again, it takes time for Loki to kind of bring up his magic to a really high level. And do you know who has better hearing than even Heimdall? You guessed it. It's Supergirl. Loki was defeated by this Asgardian warrior named Sif. Really cool warrior and this was a straight up fight keep in mind that Sif has the common superhuman physicals of an Asgardian man which is pretty cool but that means she's got you know, that superhuman durability somewhat advanced stamina speed agility reflexes can lift about 30 tons and she's actually much weaker than Loki and she straight up beat him because again she didn't waste time talking to him just went in for the kill and in terms of pure physical Supergirl blows away all of those levels of physical she has never mind Loki's here's how this fight goes down they're gonna face off Loki starts to make some Shakespearean type of speech seeing how he will defeat Supergirl Super of course doesn't listen, uses her x-ray vision to examine Loki's DNA. Loki starts to fight off trying to use his magic to toy with Supergirl and he's, as he's so often done before with all his battles. But Supergirl isn't messing around and hits Loki with a super powerful punch which sends him flying through the air and crashing into the ground miles away. Already hurt. And now understanding what he's facing, he starts to summon his most powerful magic and is casting invisibility spells around himself to make him undetectable so he can buy even more time to take on this insanely powerful being. Supergirl sees Loki disappear from sight and can't find him anywhere with her x-ray vision, 
But that's when she starts to listen, and she hears Loki's heartbeat. And then she flies full speed at Loki, who's shocked that she's able to detect him so easily. Loki starts to blast Supergirl with magical energy, and although they hurt a little bit, they do nothing but kind of enrage her even more. Because remember, she's determined, and then Supergirl blasts him back with insane hit, heat vision, cold breath, super speed, physical attacks, everything she does, she does. Knowing he's about to be killed, Loki does the only thing he can and attempts to flee back to Asgard. And just as he's about to step through the magical portal to get back to somewhere he considers safe, because remember, Loki likes to escape when things get really, really bad. Supergirl uses her cold breath to create a super dense and powerful ice wall over it, preventing his escape. At that point, Loki looks at Supergirl and says, Young Glass, can thou not take a joke? Supergirl smiles and says, <laughs> No. And then just unleashes absolute hell of superpower punches and kicks that would make the Hulk jealous. Only stopping when Loki is clearly unconscious, just like that's happened all the times before. And then she stomps him one more time for good measure. That's why Supergirl wins. That's why Loki loses. That's my point number three. You basically just used half of your entire point number three to try to convince our judge that Loki versus Supergirl is basically Hulk Hogan versus Iron Mike Sharp, the jobber extraordinaire in 1980s Sunday morning WWF programming. That is outrageous. So she's going to punch him in the face into a mountain. Then she's going to fly and beat him some more. And then he's going to cry. And then she's going to beat him some more and win. That is, nobody thinks that's how this battle is going to go. That's simply a ludicrous argument to make. Now, you talk about some of these characters who have given Loki a hard time. Characters like Namor, very powerful. Hercules, a god, again, very powerful. Uh, I believe you even mentioned the Hulk at one point. Yes, these are characters who have given Loki problems in the past. One thing they all share in common, they knew who he was already walking into the battles, right? They knew that Loki was not to be trusted. They knew that he was the god of mischief, and that's why they had this no-nonsense way about them, and they got a grip on him, and he had a hard time getting away. And I can appreciate and understand that, but I'm sorry, Kara is reckless. You say she doesn't hold back. She quote unquote goes there, but that is one of her weaknesses. Superman uh, acts within himself, knows his limitations of which they are low and acts within them. Supergirl overextends herself all the time because of the fact, as you said, she goes there. And that's why she has losses to people, not of the caliber of Namor and Hercules and the Hulk. She's been KO'd by Killer Croc. I love me some Killer Croc, but he should have no chance to KO Supergirl, but he has. He was defeated and tricked and trapped by somebody named the Black Flame. And after that particular character defeated her, she woke up in a death trap and then got defeated a second time by a leprechaun. I don't think Warwick Davis should be hanging with Supergirl, but there it is. She's also lost to a character named Magmaid, a lady made of lava. Cool. She got annihilated by somebody called the Silver Banshee, who I'd never heard of until I looked it up. But Silver Banshee has a win. That's a Black Canary level character. Not the most powerful, but has a win over her as well. And finally, a guy with a big forehead called the Annihilator used his psychic powers to render her unconscious. And he's a nothing burger of a character. She needed Batgirl to, to, to bail her out of this particular battle. The point in all of this, Loki has fought a higher, lost to a higher class of people than uh, Supergirl has, but Supergirl's the hero and Loki's supposed to lose at the end of some of these uh, storylines. And that's where you're pulling from. But if you look at these other storylines where Supergirl's at the start in random encounters, 
she's getting defeated by people way below her weight class. That's all I have to say about that. Loki wins, and it's obvious. Now, was that the Supergirl you're referencing before, who was really Matrix, the alien posing as Supergirl? Was it the real Supergirl? And in all of these examples that I said, this is pure on uh, Danvers Supergirl. You were sure about that before? All right, listen. Hey, I admit it when I'm called out for truth uh, awareness. And I will say right now, look, you can't get you can't get knocked out by Killer Croc. I'm sorry. Loki's Loki's never been knocked out by Killer Croc. I'll just put that on the record. That that is actually a true statement. That is true. And that's and also no one posing as Loki's ever been knocked out by Killer Croc. That's also What's a true that? statement. Another that you're you're throwing truths in here. That's I good. I only right? deal in ultimate truths. That's true. You've also never been in my kitchen. Just putting that as another truth that's out there that's also just as hard-hitting as the last two points you brought up. All right, And let Robert. me tell you, that puts me on a level as former President Barack Obama. Funny story. Think about it. One time he came by the house. Anyway, Robert Clark Chan, you've heard three points from both Ray and myself. It's time for you to make a decision. But before we get to what Robert has to say, let's celebrate the Who Would Win Patron of the Week. Every week we choose one of our amazing members of the Who Would Win Show's Patreon community and put them in a battle. Ray, which patron do we have today? Today we have a very special patron. This is a patron above all other patrons. Yeah, let's do it. Our patron of the week is Robert Clark Chan. Oh my gosh. All right, all right. Robert Clark Chan... We're putting you up against a very sinister group of people. Some of the most evil people this planet has ever produced, possibly this universe has ever produced. Robert Clark Chan, you are fighting the 15 people who think the Star Wars sequels are great films. Well, I mean, here's the deal. Robert Clark Chan is going to stand square in front of a movie theater full of 15 people who think, and of course the number is considerably higher. These are just the 15 who have gathered to face down with Robert Clark Chan. But this is where ultimately Robert Clark Chan is going to have a massive advantage against 15 strangers who all love the sequels. Is he is going to stand there and he's going to face off and you know and they're going to start like breaking bottles and they're going to start like whipping some chains around like it was a Michael Jackson video from the 1980s and we're going to see these people as local toughs and they're going to say we love Last Jedi. We love Rise of the Skywalker. We love The Force Awakens. The sequels are better than you think. And Robert Clark Chan's going to look, find all the exits, make his way around, and then rip open his Hawaiian shirt to reveal his Last Jedi tattoo that he has across his chest to reveal that not only does he defeat them, he's one of them. And he will lead a crusade to take those 15 people, turn it into 1,500, and next thing you know, people are reverse uh, uh, review bombing the Star Wars uh, sequels. They're all now in the 9.5 zone, and Robert Clark Chan has changed the world. Congratulations, Robert Clark Chan, defeating a random crowd of 15 people who love the sequels, although that number, as we all know, is considerably higher. I will admit it could be up to 16 people, but I don't, you know, what's that called? The Pyrrhic victory where the, uh, the, the price you pay to get the victory far outweighs the actual, you know, benefit of the victory itself. I think that's what it is, but whatever, that's all good. I've said pound for pound, James Gavsey, that episode nine rise of the Skywalker is one of the most star Warsy star Wars films you are ever going to find. And if you like Star Wars for the right reasons, and that being laser blasting, cool fights in cool locations, fun characters duking it out, 
there is so much great Star Wars content in that movie. Did it make a little bit less sense with the Emperor storyline? Sure. Would I have preferred to see a better redemption uh, angle for Ben Solo? Sure. But I'm not looking at these movies as a Hollywood writer. I'm looking at these movies through the eyes of somebody who wants to see space wizards fighting with magic swords. And if you look at it like that, the way you're supposed to look at these movies, it is one of the best Star Wars movies that they made. First of all, if you want space wizards and space battles, the 1980s is littered with great movies that make a lot more sense. And uh, yeah, because who likes Star Wars for the plot or the great characters or story arcs? Because why would that be a thing at all? All right, listen, congratulations, Robert Clark Chan. Uh, good job on this win, kind of. We'll see. Remember, you too can become a celebrated patron of the week. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash show and sign up, and you may be featured in an upcoming episode of Who Would Win. Now back to the decision. Robert, it's time for your judgment. Take us through your process. Tell us a story, if you will, and reveal who you think wins this battle between Loki and Supergirl. Well, first of all, I need to address a couple things going into those uh, uh, last couple rounds. Ray really pulling out all the stops with the specific references to early 80s wrestling. Yes, it's enjoyable. We all enjoy it. To John Woo's hard-boiled, Yes. Is it the greatest action film of all time? And is that the greatest line from the greatest action film of all time? Yes, but it is not counting in your favor here. Also, you said that Dwayne The Rock Johnson could beat a person made of paper, but... He would be when defeated has... by a person made of paper. It's it's just simple logic, Chan. Right. No, no, no. But you said that The Rock would defeat the paper man. That is not what I said. Go back and wrong. watch the tape. Oh, I will. I will. And uh, finally, I must say that I have been swayed by James's talk of the ultimate warriors of the DC world, which I take to be uh, the island of Thermoscura, populated with hundreds, possibly thousands of Jim Hellwigs. That would be a magical place that I would like to visit and learn fighting from. But we need to talk about this matchup here. We need to start out with... The scheme, Loki's obviously got some sort of scheme, some sort of reason for him to be in the vicinity of Kara. And uh, honestly, I think he's trying to get her to move the moon. He heard that she was a moon mover. Doesn't really have any need for the moon to be moved, just wants it to be moved. Probably because it's getting away of his um, reception for Plutonian television, something. There's a Pluto TV, right? So probably he needs a, he needs a satellite dish to get the moons getting in the way. It's It starts out that way, Supergirl figures out he's super bad guy, because pretty obvious. So I, I think uh, she tries to initiate fistic hostilities, as she is wont to do. She's she's going to go for uh, the, she's going to go on the attack, and I mean, Supergirl is strong, but Loki is a god, so yes, they will go toe-to-toe for, for quite some time, I think. He's going to start uh, pulling out some of his uh, tricks. He's going to try a little mind control, find out that, uh, I mean, controlling Thor is one thing, but Thor, kind of dumb. We're going to be perfectly honest. So I don't think it's going to work real well against Supergirl. I do think uh, he's going to be making a, a cloud dragon or two and kind of getting her way. But his his go-to, I feel, really has to be the distracting her, sneaking up behind her, and then stabbing her with that fire sword right in the back. And that is uh, a real solid move. And on a lot of people, it's going to work. But I think it will hurt her and also make her very angry. 
So uh, we probably will see this <clears throat> morals off Supergirl as she starts going at it real hard because who likes to be stabbed in the back with a magical flame sword? Nobody. Um, she does have the speed that would equal, possibly exceed Loki. Uh, more importantly, she can keep it up for a lot longer because I do think Loki will be able to get, you know, he'll be able to dodge for quite some time. But Kara, that's where her, her endurance is going to pay off. She will be able to continue laying the press on. He's got a lot of tricks up his sleeve, though. I do think he's going to try creating walls that are going to take her a little while to bash through. But in the meantime... I don't think he's making a lot of advancement because she's bashing through these walls pretty quick. Uh, he's going to try and encase her in ice. Obviously, she's going to use her heat vision, and he'll think, well, gosh, that was, was kind of dumb of me, wasn't it? He is going to try uh, transmogrifying himself because I, I think that is really, if he's going to win, he's going to do it by changing himself completely into something else and... Uh, uh, being smarter than she is. So he's going to turn into the most fearsome thing he can think of. He looks at Supergirl and he says, you know what? I'm going to be a bee. Rightly guessing that she has seen my girl starring Anna Klumsky. And if there is one uh, character in all of cinema that I think Kara Zor-El would identify with, it would be Anna Klumsky in my girl. And so, you know, like what's more terrifying than a bee and seeing poor Macaulay Culkin uh, stung to death by one of those, sorry, spoilers for a 30-year-old movie. And uh, it's going to shake her a little bit, but of course she's in morals off mode and it's going to keep uh, smacking him around. He's going to bring out the clones like you do. And he's going to bring a lot of clones. Going to keep bringing the clones. Going to bring more and more Lokis uh, doing that thing. Uh, like, uh, which one was it? Matrix 2 or 3? Where uh, everyone, like, piles on top of Neo. And they get blown off. But not by Supergirl. By Superman, who is there to save the day. He starts flinging these Loki clones all around. Beating the pants off them. Uh, he starts flinging them and getting rid of them, throwing them back to uh, Asgard, throwing them through a hole into Asgard. And he tells Supergirl, start chucking these things in. We're going to send these things back to the plane they came from. And he's going to say, Supergirl, go get them. Go chase them into that portal where all of these clones are being headed up so that we can shut this thing off and save the world from these awful, terrible Norns. And she's just about to go into that portal until she realizes that Superman's heartbeat is not Kal-El's heartbeat. She has hung around Martian Manhunter long enough to know when somebody is pretending to be someone else. She grabs Superman by his scruff and, as we see at the end of the first Avengers movie, starts flinging him back and forth, bang, 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 until Loki is a little puddle on the ground. And I don't think that Loki takes this one. This one is won by Supergirl. Unbelievable. That one had me on the edge of the seat. That is an amazing story to tell. I absolutely agree with it. I'm going to add something to that. If Loki does survive this first encounter somehow or comes back from it, he will take a lot of time and a lot of planning, but he's going to come back and he'll get a secondary you know, fight win 
over Supergirl because he'll have that advanced plan. But in the first encounter, he is getting wrecked, what is now known as Robert Clark Chan style. Great job, Robert Clark Chan. Love the judgment. The winning streak of Race to Canis has been ended today, and that's how we do it. Race to Canis, how do you feel after Robert Clark Chan's uh, decision? I'm not exactly sure how I feel about that. For a little bit there, I thought Robert Clark Chan has absolutely lost his mind. Thankfully, I was a half step ahead of the story that he was telling, as opposed to the five steps I should be. Uh, so maybe I'm a little bit bamboozled here. I still have no idea how Loki loses this battle, but after hearing Robert Clark Chan go on for roughly 72 minutes in his decision, I will say I still don't know how Loki loses this battle. I mean, he just put it out there. That was brilliant. He used his uh, telepathy to understand that Superman was the thing a person of importance to Supergirl, that she would listen to him. And he almost got away with it too, except Supergirl does what she does and uses super hearing, just like Heimdall did, to see through that illusion. I think it's a brilliant statement, a brilliant story, a brilliant victory on my part, given by a brilliant judge. Robert Clark Chan, you are awesome. A national treasure, as I've said many times, a fan favorite for obvious reasons. Please come back to the Who Would Win show. In the meantime, tell our fan base, the Legion of Audience, where they can find you online. Well, you can go to Knowing is Half the Podcast. It's a pretty good podcast where we talk about cartoons, and uh, it's a fun time. Uh, also, AE Doubleback, if you like talking about uh, professional wrestling, also a fun time. You can find me around the socials, I guess. Yeah, look for me. I agree. Everyone should look for you. You're a very interesting person. Race to Cana, speaking of interesting people. You were close. You put on a great fight. You were so close to that four wins in a row, but you came up a little short. Not a big deal. You'll come back next week for another great debate. In the meantime, tell the Legion of Audience, our fan base, where they can find you online. After hearing Robert Clark Chan, I gave him John Woo references. I gave him 1980s professional wrestling references. Arguments aside, that alone, my brilliant strategy of appeasing the mad genius of Robert Clark Chan should have been enough to carry this to victory. Characters aside, know the judge even more than you know the characters. That's what I say, and that's why I am so unbelievably successful on this show. But sometimes a judge just isn't having it. And I appreciated, for a change, Robert Clark Chan listening to all the points that I've made and using them in his decision and, and bringing it. Loki would absolutely do all of the things that Robert Clark Chan said. And Supergirl is one tough cookie who would absolutely have counters to a lot of the things being said. But I do believe her reckless nature would put her through the portal that Loki would close behind her. I think that's where Robert Clark Chan missed the, missed the boat. Maybe I needed a Dune reference on top of everything else I put out there, or a Spice Girls ref, or a combination of the two together. I think that would have put Kara L through the portal, and unfortunately it did not happen in this day. I at least appreciate a judge who listened to the arguments made as much as I deeply, aggressively, violently disagree with this decision. I at least do also do not respect Robert Clark Chan for making it. And where can people find you online? Well, you can find me in real life at Lions Chargers. Your first place, Detroit Lions, are 6-2. First place in the NFC North. And I will be going to SoFi Stadium here in Los Angeles to watch them kick the butt 
off of the Los Angeles Chargers. Find me there, and then find me on threads at Almighty Ray 316. But also find me at SoFi Stadium this Sunday. You know it's going to be an event if I'm leaving the house. <laughs> it's so good for you to get out of the house. I think you should do that more often. All right. I'm told. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by typing in at James Gabs. You remember to join the official Hoodwin Facebook group to make a suggestion for a matchup for the show and to be part of our growing community. You can also find us on Instagram and TikTok at Who Would Win Show. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you go for your podcasts. On behalf of myself, Ray Sicanis, and the rest of the amazing Who Would Win production team, thank you once again for checking out another episode of Who Would Win. We'll see you next time. It's Brent Pope, the host of Breakfast with Brent Pope. You've seen me on some of your favorite TV shows saying things like, give it up, Jimmy. You got to sink this putt to win. On Breakfast with Brent Pope, I sit down with guests from the entertainment world and we do it all over breakfast. Or should I say breakfast? Every week on Breakfast, you get inside Hollywood info and tips, great breakfast wrecks and booty debates. Most of all, you get the most delightful 30 minutes of your week. So dig in. It's breakfast time. Listen at breakfast.com, Apple Podcasts, or wherever fine podcasts are found. Hey gang, I hope you enjoyed this episode and love listening to the show as much as we enjoyed making it. Quick reminder that you can support us by going to patreon.com slash hoodwinshow right now. Okay, gotta prepare for next week's episode. Hope the rest of your day is full of wins. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.